Welcome to This Week in Craft Beer, the podcast, a weekly show where we interview the people making the magic happen in the UK craft beer scene, sponsored by Beer Nuts, premium crunchy coated peanuts for beer. I'm delighted to welcome to the podcast this evening, Ben Cleary and Alex Redpath from Full Circle Brew in Newcastle. Gents, if you could quickly introduce yourselves and just describe your role within the business, we can crack on from there. Hello, my name is Ben Cleary. I'm the owner of Full Circle Bruco. Um, I'm also supposed to be the sales manager, but don't have much time to do it, as well as box packer and, and everything else. My name's Alex Redpath. Uh, I'm the head brewer and uh, ops manager at uh, Full Circle. First member of staff and still here. Fantastic. Thanks. Well, welcome to This Week in Craft Beer, the podcast. So my understanding is Full Circle opened in November 2019 and you'd built up some very impressive momentum you know, in three or four months and then uh, we ran into COVID-19. But it seems to me that you're still cracking on very successfully and very keen to get into to a bit more the background to that but you've opened up in some fine style in a you know, brand new 30 heck brew kit huge warehouse just just in the east of uh, the center of newcastle but certainly within walking distance of the city it, what might be described as one of the craft beer districts in the in the sort of area of newcastle it's an amazing city for craft beer and you've certainly opened up in an area where you've got some some local let's call them peers for want of a better turn of phrase you know they're obviously competition but i'm sure they're your friends as well and you know this is an amazing industry where there's there's more support than conflict between the companies in the same space so be curious just to get a bit of background to how you ended up there what the thoughts are behind the business and let's run from there okay so i'll i'll, I'll start so um <laughs> we're part of a family run independent family run business so we're a wine business historically so we're a 30 35 year old wine business and I'm the second generation within the family business and I've always worked in the wine trade and um, I was there for seven years and uh, I've got my own bottle shop and uh, online business called The Pip Stop. And I just got a lot more into beer and we, we, we figured that we're already selling to the majority of pubs, restaurants, wholesalers in the country. Why are we not doing beer? This is crazy. The craft beer market's booming. So we decided to really go all guns blazing um, and invest quite heavily in a big kit. And a, and a big venue in the, in the centre of Newcastle. It took us a long time to, to find that location. I mean, it took us probably two years. We were originally looking in Durham. And at the last minute, we found a, a cracking site up in Holtz Yard, uh, just in the Usburn area. So that's, that's kind of where it all, where it all began. And that's, that's where we've, we've started our journey. And even though Pip Stop was a, was a wine-led business, you were no strangers to supplying great craft beer. I read a, a great interview you know, talking about the, uh, the half Mini Cooper embedded in the wall that was your, your growler pour station. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, uh, it was a cracking site. It was an old uh, Morgan garage. So we tried, to, we tried to theme it on that because it was in the middle of nowhere. So we thought, let's, let's make it a bit quirky. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I set up my own mini bar, if you want to call it that. <laughs> um, it worked really well. But to be fair, it was, it was in a poor location. We did very well there for four years, but we've actually managed to add it into the full circle site over in Hulse Yard now. So we've moved it across to that venue, which if COVID wasn't there, I, w- I would be expecting very good things from the storefronts. Um, but fortunately, the, the online business has been doing it. It's worked very well. Yes, excellent. Um, and just delving back a bit further uh, in the past, Ben, I noted that your, your grandparents owned pubs, I believe. Yeah, um, I don't know how you found that out. That's it. That's interesting. <laughs> well, we, uh, it's part. Of, it's part of the reason for the name Full Circle. I mean, my, my parents set up a wine business. My 
grandparents were both in uh, the pub, pub industry. And yeah, we're now in beer and, and technically the pub industry as well with the tap room. So we've gone full circle as a family. Um, we're also a... So the company, uh, Lanchester Wines, we focus on being a renewable business. We, uh, we've, we've got wind turbines, we've got uh, electric cars, we've got solar panels. So everything that Lanchester Wines does, it's, it's very carbon neutral and, and they actually class themselves as carbon minus. That was part of the name for circle too. We, uh, we can't justify it yet in a rented site. Let's say it's our promise. I mean, Alex have talked about a lot. We'd love to be able to create something that's carbon neutral or if not, carbon minus. Fantastic. Yeah, there's a lot of technology out there that can help you. It's just on a small scale, it's quite difficult. And that's a very admirable goal, I think, because the brewing industry can be accused of being quite maybe energy wasteful and, and certainly use a lot of water. And so, you know, anything you can do to reduce the, the impact on the environment with the brewing business is, is to be applauded, I'm sure. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Excellent. So, Alex, let's get a little bit of your background. Uh, I know you, you say you're employee number one, but what's your brewing background prior to Full Circle? And how did you, you end up? this business i mean it's a lot of coincidences where I, how i actually ended up there um but my brewing background is i, I started off as a home brewer mm-hmm. um probably four or five years ago and it was the first hobby or first thing that i'd ever really gained a huge passion for um any opportunity i had to learn about it i did um my commute used to be an hour each way i'd listen to a podcast each way about technique processes recipes that kind of stuff and I had a change of situation probably about three years ago where I was looking to move into a new career. So at that point, I thought, why not give it a go and go all in for brewing? I think even possibly six months before that, I'd actually dropped off some beer for Ben at his bottle shop. Um, we'd had a quick chat at that point. And then the project just kind of wasn't at the point where we could... Uh, move forward um, but then I went to train at Brew Lab in Sunderland oh, and yeah. I did the longest course mm-hmm. they had there and the most thorough course um, got some great experience when I was there spent some time at uh, Northern Monk North mm-hmm. uh, Almasty pretty much any brewery they had a link with uh, I spent a couple of days at um, nice I almost like a sort of a you know a, a, an internship you know on a rotation yeah, with, with, with I, those green that's fabulous definitely I mean I was the only local person on the course there were people from India um, Australia Germany uh, America that had come to do the course um, because I knew all the local breweries I literally said these are the breweries I want to go to um, and they organized it and uh, I spent the time there and again coincidence Ben just happened to be getting some consultation there at the time. Um, had another chat with him, uh, got a contact details, and mm. where they're based is only a couple of miles from where I live. Um, so after I finished at Brew Lab, spent a bit of time volunteering full time. I went back to North, uh, went to Box Social, mm-hmm. uh, went to a cask brewery called Three Kings in North Shields. While we were while I was looking for job opportunities and speaking to Ben the entire time, and then uh, when it was the right time to press ahead on it things just worked out and signed on as a development brewer spent the first year developing recipes while we looked for a site looked for a kit um and that pretty much took us to beginning of next last year halfway through last year found the site found the kit and here we are noting as well alex for that first year of uh, developing brews was, was stuck up in a warehouse one of the one of the highest points in england up in this prison called warehouse uh, on his own every day uh, grabbing away working working hard to create the beers that we're drinking today so i'd like to commend him for that because yeah I, I couldn't wear enough layers it was uh, pretty <laughs> brutal i mean uh, we were we were brewing on propane so i had to keep the roller door open Ooh. and at some points it was minus four minus five outside snow 
uh, yeah, just it it, it was uh, it was good fun. That's an amazing testimonial for Brewlab, really. That because the the quality of the beer that you're turning out a full circle speaks for itself for such a young brewery and so that's the fantastic uh, path you trod to get there and i'm sure a lot of hard work and a lot of expertise you know off your own bat as well as as well as what you gain more or less touring a who's who of, of breweries in the north to, to eventually arrive at full circle but that's great i mean i'd have to say i'm very lucky in terms of i've been allowed to brew the beers that i want to drink mm-hmm. and i think that's what makes um any beer that a brewery produces the best it can be because it's it's what i want to drink and i've tailored it to that and i hope people like it but it's if i'm happy to take home a pint at the end of the week i'm it's i've done a good job as far as i'm concerned well that's a perfect lead-in to talk about the beer that i've just opened which is lupo which is your 6.4 percent ipa part of your core range i've had it several times before and it's uh, no hardship to be drinking again that's for sure it's a, it's a beautiful ipa um could you Describe it to us, uh, guys. And Yeah, of course. Um, so there's a, a couple of beers out there that um, I really liked. I mean, one of the things that in- inspired me was Transmission from North, mm. and that was always one of my favourite. I'm pretty sure the recipe's changed since it's gone into supermarkets, but that was one of my inspirations. And in terms of hop combinations, you, you've got the classic citrus mosaic, and what I've looked to do is add something just to give it a bit of edge. Um, so this one has the addition of cashmere in it, uh, both in the whirlpool and the dry hop. It, it's, mm-hmm. it's citra lead, but there's mosaic and cashmere yeah. backing it up. Um, I also love a, a kind of a, a softer mouthfeel. So we've got a kind of higher chlorate to sulfate ratio, a kind of a New England style water profile on it, quite low carbonation. One thing I do quite like is beers that are, doesn't matter what the strength, just very drinkable. I want mm. them well attenuated, um, whether it's 4% or 8%. I want to be able to ideally drink a pint of it. So that's what I've gone for with this. I say soft, fruity, citrusy, and very drinkable. And you, you, just as a matter of interest, your water naturally in Newcastle is fairly soft? It's pretty it? good, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, compared to, to London, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the last water test i had in the other day was about 50 parts um calcium sulfate and about 20 calcium chloride so i can pretty much do what i want with it um it's really 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 stable and very very happy with it okay excellent what is one thing me and alex had said from the start is we both we both did share a love for transmission it was it was my my favorite beer for about two years from 2015 and i say i've always said to alex i say i want you to try and develop something something that, that can that can challenge that beer and that's always going to be difficult because because it was it was the best ipa in the country as far as i was concerned right and i'd like to think he's done it i think this is excellent and it's an interesting conversation isn't it about core range or not have a core range even these days i think for the the scale of business that you've set up it makes sense you would want to have some sort of a core range because you've got the capacity there to hopefully start to to supply permanent keg lines in in local bars um, when you know if, if that ever becomes a thing again your aspirations i'm sure are to, to become a widely recognized national brand at the very least if you're not that already which arguably you are be curious just to get your thoughts yeah i just i just start by saying it's, it's already a struggle to keep up with the demand mm-hmm. um we are hiring tanks left right and center just to keep up with demand right now so uh, I think we're definitely moving in the right direction. Yeah, we, 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 there was a lot of discussion early doors about do we do cores or, or do we go down the just seasonal route because you, you follow that kind of that amazing untapped. The way certain businesses go untapped is those big hype beers, which give you that great rating. 
Uh, and we thought that, you know what, we need both. We do need both. We want to try and be a commercial brewery as well as a, 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 a craft brewery. And those core beers, they have to be craft, craft led and they, and we can't, and we refuse to make them substandard. I'm not, I'm not going into to any supermarket and bringing the, bringing the quality down because it's just not what we want to do. No, your core beers are, are absolutely superb. One other thing I'd quite like to add actually is we, um, we've, we've, well, Alex has recently done a, um, a lager. Uh, it's a dry hopped Kolsch and it's fantastic. But again, that, that whole untapped thing is people are rating it poorly 3.5s and 3.5s and uh and it's a cracking beer and what they say is it's great but it's just a lager it's such but a frustration you, isn't it and that's where you, you you've got that balance between do we do we follow that that route of making double ipas or imperial stouts or do you try and set that balance in between and just not worry too much about the untapped ratings because it it, it, it can consume you i think alex has got himself a little spreadsheet that he works on every day <laughs> Point not 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 one today, so it's uh, it does consume you a little bit, but it's it can be a good beast or a bad beast for people. It depends on on obviously which side you're on. Yes, um, you know I, I I love Untapped from from my side of the fence, but I can see how it can be a you know a a, a route to the madhouse for brewers. One thing I'm curious just to, to dig into for a moment is there's a brewery called Full Circle in Fresno, California. I wonder whether you'd had any contact with. We, we did know about them, yeah. Um, we, we actually went through about three different names prior to Full Circle. Um, we, we, had a, we had a name that we, we decided upon, which we don't think was as good as Full Circle now, but um, it was taken by a company, I think, in Denmark. It's a coffee company, and we tried to get it for the beer category, and they just said no. But yeah, Full Circle, there is a Full Circle in the States. We, uh, we, we have the license in Florida, um, in, the, in, in the UK and in Europe. Right, so, good. We were, were covered. I think I, th- I don't. I don't see them progressing from the states by the looks of no, it. No, it doesn't seem like it. I, I've had a look at them today. Um, good news is your uh, your untapped rating is higher than theirs at the brewery level, uh, Alex. So you'd be pleased about that. <laughs> <laughs> Although I've just seen there's, there's even an untapped in the straight. Uh, sorry, uh, full circle in uh, Australia. So oh, is there? Oh. It's uh, hmm. another place we can't go. But it seems logical that you would be you'd reach out to them just to sort of make a transatlantic connections so if you can do get a collab off the ground or something good to. Would be cool. I mean, if, if there was a full circle in Spain or somewhere in Europe, uh, we may have changed our minds. But with the amount of the sheer volume of breweries in the states, we didn't think we'd ever crack the states. There's not a lot of English producers over there because they just have so much, so much beer over there. We didn't think it would be a major concern. Um, but it would be nice to to cross collab for sure. So if they're listening to this, give us a shout. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll definitely email them a link to the final recording. Let's see if we can make that happen. But you're right, you know, that there's massive potential just in Western Europe to build a very, very significant business here, isn't there? So you think you can perhaps get a bit carried away with global domination in these things and, and lose track of what you need to do to be great just in, in the Northeast or England or the UK. There's plenty of plenty of opportunity here, I think. There certainly is. I mean, we've seen it. I mean, through COVID, I mean, everyone was so stressed out originally and I know that a lot of breweries stopped producing and we, we were lucky enough to carry on and... We've, we've really come out of it in a, in a really strong place. We've, I'm not sure if it's whether other breweries weren't producing and they were trying, uh, customers were trying new breweries. Yeah, the, the pickup's been fantastic. Um, online uh, trade, the lot. I mean, as a salesperson, I don't actually have to go out and sell anymore. I just have to say, <laughs> which is just quite a strange feeling for me, but it's, um, we're riding a lovely wave and I, I do hope it continues. Fantastic. Yeah, I think you probably, with hindsight, 
just got started in time, didn't they? You had sort of three or four months of, of really sort of strong growth and momentum and, and buzz, obviously locally, but also on, on, on Instagram and, and so forth. And so I think you hopefully you've, you've built up that that demand to the point where as it switched over to uh, to, to sort of web shop only, you, you were then able to keep cracking on. So, so that's very good news. D- did you continue to run at, at full production capacity right through the lockdown or did you at any stage sort of pause for breath? It was just all systems go. Well, we actually didn't start um, brewing on our kits until the first week of January. We had a couple of delays. Um, So our very first batches were actually contract brewed um, so that we had something to actually open our tap room with. But as soon as lockdown happened, we were just about to package our own beer. Uh, In fact, our canning line was due to be commissioned the Monday of lockdown. Um, So that left us in a really difficult situation where we had lots of beer tanks full and just no way of packaging it. Um, so we tried a few different options and uh, them that can uh, mobile canning service were absolutely brilliant um, but we we had four tanks we needed to package beer and get it out there in fact our first seasonals were pretty much launched after lockdown mm-hmm. um, launched on the Friday when we were told pubs would close that's when yeah. launched. so it was <laughs> it was a, a very worrying time wasn't it Alex I think that was our Brugger beer. We had a big event planned for that weekend, yeah. and uh, it, it was, I mean, it's been chaos. Um, kind of organized chaos, but we've, been, we've done our best. I mean, our canning line still isn't fully commissioned. We've relied on mobile canners over the last uh, six months, and without them, um, I think we really would have struggled because uh, cake sales were pretty much non existent. We've had our tap room open a little bit in terms of um, grower deliveries. Yeah. Um, but if we weren't able to can our beer, we would have really struggled. Um, but we've, we've done well out of it. We're doing one or two a week with them, and um, everything's been bob on, been great. Yeah. So. Oh, that's good. that's good to hear. I mean, I've heard a few horror stories of, of sort of mobile canning experiences um, in, in the last few weeks of, of recording conversations like this. And so it's great to hear that that you know there are good mobile canning services out there. Definitely. I mean, f- from my point of view, it's 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 a combination of working together. Um, if you present the beer at the correct temperature, the correct carbonation, um, and after a few goes at it, you kind of know each other's work uh, work methods. You can get a very consistent uh, product out, and um, there is a cost to that. But it's uh, if it's either that or get nothing out, I will take them that can all day. Okay. Okay. Well, that's great to hear. So, as we transition back to to more draft sales are you going to reduce the amount of beer that's going into can or or are you able to step the capacity up with the new tanks and so forth that you, you just mentioned we hoped we hope to have a 95 percent can five percent keg mm. uh, we, we i asked alex to do a, just a, a small volume of keg to start us off uh, and we've just got two two beers that are launching next week alter ego new england ipa and uh, three-sided coin double dry hot pill we just put them on uh ebria uh, the drop shipping site on Monday, and we sold the kegs in a day. Wow! And uh, yeah, we, we've got bar sales here. We've got uh, direct sales. So uh, yeah, I think we're getting to a point where we're hopefully going to be able to. Well, we're looking to try and double brew all of our seasonals because that's that 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 was quite a scary thing. I mean, I've been stressing a lot over the last couple of days about the ratio between keg and can. Hmm. It's been it's been part of my life for the last two days and we're still not quite there but we will have to increase it um you do make more margin on can but i I think to get it to get the beer out to the wider population it's it's so important to do keg so it's just getting that balance right Uh, and what percentage of beer do you think you could sell through your own tap well expected if last weekend is anything to go by 
Yeah, I mean, I just would like to note when, based on that, we've, we've very much, um, we've, we've very much done everything we can to cover ourselves in terms of the uh, the government guidelines. We've gone over and above that front. Uh, the tapping opened two weeks ago. We've had it for two weekends now, and um, everyone's been amazing who's come. We've kept everyone apart by more than a meter. It's pretty much been two meters all the way through. Uh, and yeah, we're, we're just blessed to have such a good following in such an early stage because, yeah, we uh, it, it's a blessing and a, and a curse in some ways because we just had our taproom manager contact us yesterday. She's like, I need this many of these kegs. And we're like, we haven't got any of them. Well, so we might end up having to start contacting other breweries again soon because we've got 20 taps and we're hoping to, hoping to get get about 16 of, 16 of them on our own. But um, hey-ho. That's that's the that's that's quite positive either way. It's definitely a first world problem, isn't it? <laughs> but that's quite extraordinary, really. One of the things reading about your tap room is it's elevated, and I've got a big thing about elevated spaces. I think the human race likes to be on top, looking down on things. Um, cats as well, actually. It strikes me as being a a lovely space. You know, I'm really interested to come and have a look for myself because I think two of the nicest tap rooms I've been in anywhere in the world have been elevated um, looking down and, uh, and the two i'm thinking about are the uh, brewdog overworks tap at ellen uh, i don't know whether you've been up there just to north of aberdeen but that's beautiful space you know looking down on the on the barrel store and um, even better than that is two roads um, in connecticut they have a, they've got two tap rooms actually they've got one in an old traditional brick built factory you know probably 100 years old or more um, and they built next door to that a, a brand new space that they called area two which is their experimental tap room Goodness knows how much it must have cost to build. It's a breathtaking building. It's, it, you know, it's like a warehouse sort of structure from the outside. But you go in, go up some steps, and then you walk across an elevated walkway about two stories above the floor. I guess, and everything below you is barrels as far as you can see. You know, it's just you're looking down on, on you know, it's all beautiful, pristine and not so pristine oak barrels. And, and, you know, and then you get to the other end of the walkway and the, uh, the, the main indoor taproom area is, is there sort of looking down on the same space. And then you go outside and there's a big terrace and up some more steps. And there's another long terrace that runs the whole length of the building. And it's just the most perfect custom built space you can, you can possibly imagine. I can't recommend it too highly. And, and as I say, the, the idea of being up high, you know, with a great glass of beer in your hand, looking down on, on the production facility and everything else is, is, is my idea of uh, perfection. I know our, our site is, um, it was very unique and it for some reason has been empty for six or seven years before we moved in. Um, I believe historically it was a, uh, um, a rail carriage repair building. Oh. So what, that's why it was actually a split level. So the higher level was the same height as a platform. Hmm. Um, but for anybody else trying to rent a, a warehouse space, that's absolutely useless. Um, but for us, I think we, um, Ben and I saw it in January last year. Um, we had another place in mind, but as soon as we saw it, we knew it was perfect. It was almost custom built. I mean, you couldn't, you could not like write that. It was, uh, we, we always wanted that customers. And I went to, um, Florida on a family holiday a long time ago and this is what gave me this idea to do this something like this as, as a venue and it was a place called Crooked Can and they had the farmer's market I know there's a lot of these over in the states and um, they had the farmer's market and you could see the brewery and this split level system for us was just amazing I mean what's better than drinking a beer from that venue whilst watching them brew it mm. honestly you could sit there all day it's, uh, when we do have to keep it very tidy um which yes, is the only the problem, thing, but there course, you go. Yeah. <laughs> my idea is that bloody brewery. It's a pin in my arm, but it does it does make a difference. And I know it is the same for Alex and his, his brew team. They, uh, they're under a lot of pressure to make sure that place is always looking smart, but it needs to be because 
the end of the day, customers are customers and watching everything in there. Whether it be whether it be the brewery side or the current side, they can see everything. So we have to be very, very honest in terms of cleanliness and health and safety as well, to be fair. Yeah, I, th- I think quite often you, you get a kind of a brew pub where it's a pub with a brewery in the corner where we're almost a production facility with a, a custom-built tap room overlooking it, which I think is very unusual. And you have a, you got a, is it a separate event space, um, Ben, or is, that, is it sort of the tap room repurpose that you would use for, for events? No, it's, um, we have an event space as well. We have a glass-fronted event. Um, it's, it's on the way to the toilets. I wanted to have the tap room fully open so there was no walls between. You can smell the brewing process, all this kind of stuff. But actually, when it comes down to it, a lot of people don't like the brewing process smells. I can't understand it. So. <laughs> um, it's not fantastic. And you, you've got issues with heating and all the rest of the acoustics. So unfortunately, we had to close that off. But we have managed to get a little bit of space where we can actually have that um, intimate feeling with the brewery where you can smell it and hear it, which is which is the walkway to the toilets, okay. uh, which is nice. And that's where the event space is just along along that, that space as well. So that's really well. Very good. Please stay tuned for part two after a short message from our sponsors. This Week in Craft Beer, the podcast is sponsored by Beer Nuts. Beer Nuts is a British company inspired by the European fashion for pairing savoury snacks with different beer styles. Beer Nuts are premium crunchy coated peanuts and come in three great flavours, classic, masala curry and jalapeno. They are packaged in 100% recyclable, plastic free single serve cans and are vegan friendly. Next day delivery is available from their web shop at beernuts.co.uk spelled B-I-E-R. Beer nuts are the ultimate beer pairing snack, perfect for pubs, tap rooms, bars, bottle shops, and more. For details of a special offer, please see page seven of our weekly newsletter at thisweekincraft.beer. Back to the second half of the conversation with Full Circle, Ben and Alex. I'd like to have a quick chat to you about Newcastle and the unbelievable craft beer scene um, that you have around you in the city there. It's, it's getting beyond the joke, the, the number of absolutely world-class craft breweries there are. In a, the, the confines of, a, with all due respect, a medium-sized city, a place that I particularly love, by the way. Not a huge city, and yet, just off the top of my head, noting a few down this afternoon, you've got, you've obviously got Almasty and Anarchy and Wylam and By the River and uh, friends of uh, this week in craft beer, Alpha Delta, who were recorded with a couple of weeks ago. Your close neighbours, Newcastle Brewing, Brinkburn Street, Tyne Bank. It's just, it's, it's almost overwhelming the number of not just ordinary breweries by the way either you know that these are these are some of the best breweries in in the uk and they're all within three or four miles of, of where you've set up the majority love their booze but i mean what's great about the northeast scene is uh, like you say that there is so many good breweries in there. Uh, newcastle's a cracking area for, but in the northeast anyway there's some cracking breweries i mean we've just started something at the start of COVID. now uh, we wanted to try and get everyone together and help all of well, each other out and bringing some money back to the industry in bars and in breweries, and we've called it the Northern Stronghold Series. Yes, yeah, I've seen that, yeah. Yeah, we've teamed up with 16, well, 15 other breweries, um, eight collaboration beers, and we'll make an eight collaboration pack ready for Christmas time. So that's phase one. Uh, that was phase one, and then phase two, we wanted to do like a post-lockdown big party in Newcastle. So we wanted to get all the tap rooms involved, we wanted to get all of the local pubs who have supported us over the years or for us in four months or three months and just try and bring just a load of positivity to the trade as well as bring a load of money back into the trade it's super important to us as new brewer as, as a new brewery 
um, on the scene in Newcastle to to really uh, just get our name out there and also try and do as much as we can for the community um, as well as everyone else help help us out too along the way. So we thought it was a good initiative. So like a beer week kind of thing or sort of a series of events or? Essentially, yeah. Yeah, that was the plan. Excellent. Um, setting up where you have, you're literally within walking distance of three or four other breweries, which is, in my experience, actually can be the secret to success. You know, I, I've been lucky enough to travel quite a bit in the US um, over the last few years. And I've took for my sins, you know, tend to make sure I've done my homework before I go. And so, you know, when I've got an evening or, or perhaps even an afternoon, I'm going to be looking to, to find an area where I can maybe jump in an Uber to get there, but then walk from one tap room to another to another and just sort of get the, get the lie of the land. And, you know, I can't think of a better way to spend a few hours than that. And I think you've now got that opportunity just in your part of the city, haven't you, for, for people to, to come and spend an hour with you and then, you know, bounce down the road and spend an hour at, at Brinkburn Street or, or Newcastle Brewing. And so, you know, that's whilst it might appear sort of counterintuitive and you say, oh, no, you don't want to let your customers, you know, wander off to somewhere else. Actually, I think having that opportunity for people to, to, to come and, you know, sort of naturally flow from one, one place to another, you know, is, is the secret to success often. Yeah, completely. I mean, I also think we've got some of the very best um, pubs in the Northeast, literally on our doorstep. Um, I mean, our, our nearest pub is a free trade <laughs> and, um, if you talk to any brewer they'll know about the free trade and um it's it's stunning i mean i always mention the toilets it's they're infamous um but we've got the Clooney, we've got the cumberland um so many pubs around there so not only the tap rooms but the pubs themselves you're going to get the very best beer um and the best kind of environment you could possibly um hope for in the area so i think we're we're definitely on the right side of town um, and I feel very lucky to to work around there because not just the pubs, but even the food. Mm. Just being able to go and get some of the some amazing artisan food around the area. It's just it's a pleasure to work at, work where we do. And there's a fantastic donut shop just right next. Place <laughs> kills us. Uh, best donuts, best donuts in the north. But uh, okay. it's not a good thing having donuts and beer very close by. Dangerous. <laughs> I can resist the donuts, but not the beer. Um. As we start to exit lockdown, what, what are the plans for, for Full Circle moving forward? Are you going to be sort of jumping on the, the festival bandwagon, you know, if, if and when they become a, a thing? Quite sure what there's going to be going on this year. I've tentatively bought a ticket for, for craft beer calling at, at Wylam in October. I'm hoping that's going to, going to go ahead, but I'm not sure it will. You know, what's your yeah. thoughts? Um, in terms of festivals, I mean, we've, we've been talking to a, a number of companies and, and they're pushing them back and pushing them back. So short term, we're not we're not worrying too much about that we don't expect anything to be going on well a lot to be going on this end of december um one thing we're really pushing for now as we are a new brewery we're, we're pushing for european partners and um, we've, we've managed to pretty much seal the ones that we wanted um, and that's something that i've been really wanting to get a hold of because it's not about the sales it's about getting your name and your brand out into the European market because there's some insane breweries and, and, and fantastic craft beer scene in Europe. Mm. And we want to get into that in a, in a big way. So that's, that's, that's my main goal right now. Four main companies that we want to deal with in key, key, key countries. Nice. And next year, I'd love to do some festivals. I mean, we've been to one event, which I think was uh, Brew London. I think that's yep. the name of it now. Yep. And um, it was a bit of a learning experience for us. So we had uh, pretty much half a stand, uh, which we shared with Heist. That's how we got to know them. And 
Yeah, it was a steep learning curve in terms of what you even need to do there from a brewery point of view. The beer was unfortunately not the stuff we'd brewed ourselves. It was still contract brewed stuff, but I'd love to go back and show what we've actually made ourselves and talk to other breweries, get people excited at our beer. Um, we've just not had the opportunity yet. And one, one interesting thing to say about Brew London, we had a guy come up to us and said, uh, where are you from? We said, oh, Newcastle. He went, really? I didn't think there was any craft beer up in Newcastle. <laughs> I'm embarrassed. If that was a Londoner, I'm embarrassed for them. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> I believe it. But that was back to your point that you said. I mean, it's got a, it's we've got an awesome sun up here, and um, it's a shame more of it doesn't make it down to London. Um, I think everyone needs to, we need to we need to get collectively try to get some more distribution down there. But you just got to make it first, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. And making enough of it is the problem at the minute. I'm, Alex is uh, Alex is under a lot of pressure. We've got three tanks coming in in two weeks, and. Uh, we're trying to make sure we can keep getting all these um, purchase orders and things. So it's getting a bit, it's getting a bit hectic over the brew, but I'm sure you can keep on top of it. It's all fun. So let's talk about Disco Clouds, 6.9% New England IPA, a collab with, with another of the uh, Newcastle brews that I didn't mention just a moment ago, Errant, who have been around for quite a while, haven't they? Yeah, but, I mean, uh, when we opened up, we did, um, because we only had our core range, we did a couple of collaborations around the area. Um, and one of them was with uh, Errant, so we did a double dry hop pale. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is, uh, we're starting to do the return uh, of all the clubs. So this is one that we uh, we thought about doing. And um, I've, I've just cracked open the can. I'm very happy with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what your thoughts are. Or... I think it's beautiful. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's just looking at the hot bills, so it's Idaho 7, HBC 692, and, and Sabro, as you were just saying, which is, those are three of the more fashionable hops right now i think it's it's fair to say so you know you you, you've 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 got them all in the same beer and and i think it works beautifully it's uh the aroma is is really pungent it's it's when we tried it in tank it pretty much tasted like you were just ripping open a grapefruit um (laughs) it was a grapefruit pith and um it has matured and it has um got a a lot more depth to it now Mm -hmm. um but i'm not sure what the trade name for hbc 692 is going to be next year but Mm -hmm. um i can guarantee it's going to be a big hop it's going to be hot Um, i think so. we've used it in two beers and they've both both been spectacular have you, have you um, got it under contract yet for next year i have a little bit under contract uh, i don't want to go too big on anything just yet um but i do have uh, um a little bit so i'm looking forward to using that so i mean the coconut it, you know, the coconut from sabro is there but it's not overwhelming and it can be I and mean, it isn't in this beer so so that's that's, that's good yeah work. I, I pretty much although i've used it in a couple of beers um I'm using literally half a bag of time in a 30 hectolitre batch. So uh, I think that works out, depending on the beer, um, between 5 and 8% of the dry hop. Um, I tend to avoid putting it in the whirlpool at the moment, but uh, it's pungent and it doesn't need any more than that. So it, in theory, it should lift everything else, but it gives a bit of a kind of tropical backbone. Um, but if you know what you're looking for, it's it's there. The depth of fruit flavors in this beer is terrific. The you know the apricot and the pineapple, really vibrant flavors, beautiful soft mouthfeel. So just a light bitterness on the finish, but enough to just give it a little bit of a tang at the end, which is you know I think that's. I also say one thing that I think you know New England IPAs have evolved nicely in the past year. It's it's having that just you know a little bit more of a note of bitterness on the finish that means it doesn't become too sweet and, and sickly and, and you're happy to drink obviously the goal of any beer is you want people to want more than one and and i think you can drink a really flavorsome new england ipa sometimes i think yeah that was great but I probably don't want another one but uh, you know i think this is a this is definitely a beer that i could drink more than one of 
Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, every time Alex says, oh, I'm chucking some Sabro in that next one, and it's like, I'm a big fan of it now, but it's, uh, it does concern me because I know there's a lot of people out there who, who aren't big fans. Um, but it does, I think this one's perfectly balanced with the Sabro. I think there's very much enough of it so you can notice that it's there, but it doesn't overpower it in any way, which is... Um, which is great. So yeah, I'm I'm really happy with this beer. I think everything we've done with Aaron's the the, the original collab we did with them was fantastic too, uh, and they just made us think that we have to do another one with us mm. with them. And uh, so yeah, we're we're really happy with it. The problem is every single beer we're doing now is between six point five and eight percent. Dangerous. Yeah, yeah, it's. I'd be curious just to, to to get your thoughts on that because obviously you know last year Cloudwater took a bit of a stand and said right we're going to take take a percentage point off our core beers didn't they so reducing six to five and you know seven to six or whatever and i don't know i understood why they were doing that because it is running away a little bit and i'm certainly drinking stronger beers now than i was two or three years ago on a on a regular basis i try not to drink too many but uh, you know what are you going to do but it's a curious point and and one i you know i'd be curious to get your thoughts on really the market demands it doesn't it i guess yeah it's give the customer what they want mm. as far as and um, I've I've got myself in the exact same trap where I think, ooh, if it's any anything below six, I'm not going to bother trying it because I'm so used to drinking anything between six and cents that I think, oh, what's the point? I'm not spending all this money on something that's five. I might as well get something that's six or six and a half, which is a crazy way of thinking, really, and probably quite irresponsible. But it it, it does it does it it, it, it is something that, that that the customer wants, and it's and it's something we have to just keep on keep on plowing on at. It's really tricky if you're paying five, six, seven quid for a, for a can of beer in a, in a in a in a bar or a bottle shop. You know, you, yeah, you probably you're not going to be wanting to buy seven or eight of those on a night out, are you? So it's you know almost then thinks well, you know, let's if you buy a seven or eight percent beer, then <laughs> it's going to get where you need to get to more quickly. <laughs> yeah, well, it is, a, and, it, and I know it's it's probably a sad thing uh, the way that the Brits think. I mean, our events and marketing managers, he's a Canadian, and he, he can't believe at the speed of the the Brits drink. He, You'll go out for a beer and his wife will spend, happily spend four hours somewhere and, and drink like three schooners. Hmm. Whereas the guests are like, right, next one, well, you're halfway through your drink, get the next one. You That's right, be- yeah. So it's almost like a badge of honour, isn't it? And you, if you're drinking with friends, you, you don't want to let them finish their beer. If it's your turn at the bar, you've got to go and get your round in, haven't you? And it's dangerous yeah. territory. <laughs> so yeah, it's, 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 uh, he's found it quite surprising. Uh, at least at least we're learning not to drink pints that's even been a struggle isn't it for for a lot of people you see people that are just discovering craft beer and yet still insisting on drinking it by the pint and you think oh, it's, it's not going to end well you know I, I, yeah i mean we've seen we've sometimes seen pints some some place in newcastle you see a pint of um imperial style for 12 percent. you're thinking can i do that you cannot do that i speak for yourself <laughs> <laughs> in terms of Moving forward, so you, you, one of the, the notes that I read about the the scale of the of the setup at, at Full Circle was that you were planning to to accept sort of contract brewery traffic, if that's the right turn of phrase for it. You know, it, it doesn't sound as though that's probably part of the plan due to the the success that you've you've achieved. Is that is that the case, or are you still open for for contracts? No, I mean we, we were asked about it today actually um, from a clothing company, but we, that was the plan. I mean, we thought the brew house would be way too big, I and mean, when me and Alex sort of come in. I looked at him and I said, shit, what have we done? I said, good luck. Good. I, hope, I hope your beers will upscale to this. And he went, I hope you can bloody sell it. So he put the ball right back in my core on that one. It's a shame, actually, because I think there's there's definitely a need for, for, for contract brewing capacity, isn't there? There's there's a lot of people out there with, with great plans to 
to set up and obviously you guys benefited from having access to, to capacity elsewhere um, in your early days and you know I'd, I'd love to think that there were breweries setting up now with excess capacity that, that could accommodate startups it's it's challenging you know but we, we do contract but it's it's um it's an unusual situation we we produce wort for Don Zoko at the moment oh. um so he's a very unusual brewery whereas he doesn't have a brew house but he has fermenters mm-hmm. um so he uses other breweries to create the wort for him and because we um our tanks are all full and they always seem to be full but yet we can spare a little bit of time to uh, to make some wort from uh it works for us it works for him um so that's one thing that we can do is just tank spaces that's always the issue nice yeah don's Oko, uh, you know arguably the the preeminent uk lager brewery aren't they or you know or, or certainly right up there most people shortlist yeah i mean he works some magic on his fermentation and um i never uh, everything that he does seems to get some great responses uh, unfortunately there's that phrase of it's still a lager um on that you get on untapped but um his lagers are outstanding yes they are um, there's no doubt about that let's have a quick chat about hops we've referred to 692 a moment ago the contracts you know you guys are you're a new brewery. You managed to get your hands on on hops this year. I guess you benefited somewhat from the situation and the fact that other breweries maybe weren't fulfilling their contracts. So you've been able to, to to pick up batches here and there. But what's your what's your plans for next year? Are you you know you obviously starting to think about that now? Are you in, going to be it, able to get what you need? Last year was well in terms of uh, crop year. Oh, I get confused about this. Crop year 2019 yep. uh, was an issue. Um, yeah. We were so new. We were going to a 30 hectolitre brew house. We had no idea how much we were going to produce. Um, and I literally started looking for contracts in August um, just because we were still waiting for delivery. Um, weren't sure when it was going to happen. Weren't sure when the install was going to happen. Um, and thankfully, Brookhouse hops were absolutely amazing. And two of the hops that we were looking for, Citra Mosaic, they were literally the only a hop seller, a hop merchant that would even offer us a contract on them. So those guys have been absolutely brilliant. Um, Going forward though, we've been looking at um, our our main hop supplier is going to be Yakima and working quite closely with our rep Jason there and testing some of these experimental hops. Um, And we've, we've still got the issue of we've got grand plans to grow. Um, but what is the right level to hop contract, especially on our core beers? Um, so it's finding that right level because it is an investment and you do have to take it down probably by November next year. But I also can't be short. So if things continue as they are and we have maximum capacity, I have to be able to at least partially source everything that we're going to get. So it's a, it's a big balancing act. And back and forth between the hop supplier quite regularly in terms of what we need, what we think we need, and using quite a lot of their experience in terms of what they think we need. So I might say one thing and they'll say, have you thought about this? We'll go back, have a bit of a discussion about it. Um, But it's it's an interesting subject. If we'd had a couple of years under our belt uh, and more of a kind of a steady growth, it would be different if we'd gone from like a five-barrel kit to a 10-barrel kit and up. Um, but we're already finding we're struggling to keep up with demand with a 30 hectolitre kit and the tanks that we've got. So um, who knows where we're going to be in 18 months' time. Yes. Well, if, if you knew that, then uh, 
<laughs> You'd yeah, be a magician, and, uh, wouldn't you? That's, uh, I mean, that's... Um, especially with Looper, we've got Citroen Mosaic in there, and they're the probably two highest contracted hops in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it's, But they're also hops I can use in the seasonal. So as long as I can get enough of that, I can move it around if needed, or there is a slight flexibility to get more, a little bit more from them if needed but uh, especially this year there's a couple of hops that I've been offered that I didn't expect to get offered um, we've got some strata that we're going mm-hmm. to be looking to try in a dipper soon nice. um, I've just managed to get some galaxy which yeah, I was just going to ask you about galaxy I know those, are the, those are the two that are the hardest to get yeah, aren't they? even as a home brewer I never tried it so um, just got um, 100 kilos on that on order and we'll look to do a DDH pale um, possibly a dipper but it's uh yes yeah, very excited to try that we've got some nelson beginning of the year which uh nice. we put in our all together beer um and again it's just stuff that i wasn't expecting to get this year have popped up over the last couple of months and i can't say no because they'll go straight into a beer and they'll taste amazing brilliant no, so there, are, nice. there are, have been some benefits in that way to the uh, the pandemic but i i don't really like talking about benefits no i'm not no but, don't, uh, we don't want to be benefiting from that but it, um, you know it, i guess it's part of your skill as a brewer isn't it to to make do with with what you can get your hands on yeah. and you know and when you do stumble across something really exciting like strata i'm sure you'll make great use of it yeah so uh, we're excited to see what that comes out with there's very little for next year um for contract or at least that's what they tell me on trying to push me down that avenue but uh We'll see how it comes out, and a couple of hundred kilos, I'm sure, I won't go amiss. How hard are you working to keep the the, the flavour of, of the three core pails, you know, exactly as as they've always been? You know, is that something that you're going to really stress over, or are you are you happy to let them vary a bit with the hop? I mean, what, one of the issues we've had at the moment is still dialing in the brew kit. We've yet to have it fully commissioned. Um, so SSV, who were absolutely brilliant, it's their brew kit. Um, normally what they do is come back after a month or two after it's been installed, work on finally commissioning it, mm-hmm. um, work on your kind of process and get it up to scratch. That's something that we haven't been able to have uh, due to uh, the lockdown. That's so great. we're... I would say we're still just doing our very final tweaking of the brew house to the point where we get what we want in in tank and our recipes are starting to be the same every time. Um, but it, it is something I look for, but I, I don't have that much choice for hop supplies for this year anyway. So I, I have to take what I can get. Um, thankfully, I think we are starting to get a little bit of consistency in there. And I'm hoping to continue that going that f- going forward on it. But there's there's other things we can introduce, such as our uh, hoppinator or hop cannon. Um, mm-hmm. Especially if we start looking at 90 hectolitre tanks, it's I don't want to stand above and keep throwing 100 kilos of hops into it. It's uh, it's scary enough at the best of times. Um, but uh, it's, it's something that we we do aim for, and we are trying our best. Um, but we're still learning, and um, there are still other things outside of the recipe that can influence that um, but i'm hoping uh, every batch tastes great so even if there are slight variations and we'll, we'll work on that very good talk to me about the future path of your specials what have you got anything exciting up your sleeve are you starting to sort of look more at kettle sours we are looking to do a um what the fashionable term of is a triple fruited goza mm. um but i know that can be taken in many different ways and i know when north started doing it it's just because they like the name 
it doesn't mean that it's triple fruit. It doesn't mean it's got three fruits in. It just means that it's a nice name. So we have a cherry uh, goza or cherry triple fruited goza planned. I've got 600 kilos of cherry puree sat in the fridge ready to go. Um, and something that's um, we've stumbled across over the last couple of weeks, which I know that has excited a lot of brewers recently, is uh, a new yeast that's been released by Lademont, uh called Philly Sour. Okay. Um, so instead of having to do a kettle sour, which uh, on our kit we'd have to start the beer, move it to a fermenter, sour it for 48, 36 hours, move it back to the kettle, do a thorough CIP of everything. You essentially just make a normal beer, pitch this yeast, and it creates lactic acid at the same time as alcohol. So uh, the fermentation takes about 10 days. You're not the CIP isn't as risky because it's a I think it's a, a negative yeast so it will um, other yeast will overtake it if there's a, if it's any kind of cross contamination mm-hmm. and I believe it's even been cultivated off a, a tree in a graveyard in Philadelphia so there's a nice little story behind Great it um, I love that yeah <laughs> and it's been worked on by Philadelphia University and it's just been released and. I think I saw a comment from Stu and from Yeasty Boys the other day saying uh, he tried it and um, he doesn't know why anyone would do a normal traditional kettle star anymore. Oh, wow. Uh, the process is easier. Um, the, the CIP is easier. The consistency is easier. Um, the yeast is a little bit expensive, but you save yourself three or four processing days. So that means you can get beer out quicker. Um, so I'm very excited to try that. Um, it's just a case of at the moment our canning line is yet to be fully commissioned. We've got pretty much every tank full of beer. As soon as I get something out, I will be definitely doing that. Um, mm-hmm. That goes there, and then I've got a couple of plans for a sour IPA, um, and just see where that takes us. Please, I love sour IPAs. It's it's it's. I've got a plan for it. It's literally. I, I, I just need to get a couple of other things out of the way and hopefully before Christmas we'll have a sour IPA out there. I'm not exactly what hops I want, Rain Bill. Um, it's just finding the time. Perfect. So I mean, we've talked about five or six beers. So I hope they're all available for pre-order on the website already, are they? Because I'm going to be going there you know, as soon as we're finished here. And uh... <laughs> uh, I wish. <laughs> have you thought about barrel aging at all yet? Or is it, I mean, I know it's rather unfair well, that you've only been in business for, for nine months, but you know, it's, somebody it's, did uh... order a barrel yesterday. Did they? Good work. <laughs> first barrel. No, I wanted to get the, the brewers up to scratch with, how to use barrels is something I really, really want to focus on. Uh, we we are a wine business traditionally, and I would love to really focus and specialise in wine barrel aged years. Um, I think we're, we, we are, we're so well aligned for that. It's crazy. So once we get our heads above water um, with regards to just stop selling so much beer, well, not stop selling so much beer, just being able to actually think, we will, um, we, we're going to start looking at this in a big way. I don't know if Alex is as keen on us as I am, eh? I love the idea. Logistically, I look around my, uh, the brewery and go, uh, I have no idea where these are going to go. Um, in terms of barrel aging with wine, uh, wine barrels, I, I love the idea. I'm not a huge fan of whiskey myself, and I'm not a mm. huge fan of bourbon. So uh, I think the market is flooded with whiskey barrel aged, bourbon barrel aged beers. But I think one of the nicest beers I've ever had was, I believe it was called Life's a Peach by Siren. And mm-hmm. it was a barrel aged peach wheat beer, I believe mm-hmm. in a, in a white wine barrel. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, it was just stunning. It was, it opened up a new world to me. So the, the thought of putting Saison's mm-hmm. Belgian beers 
even stouts into kind of red wine, white wine barrels. Definitely. I love that as a kind of avenue to go down instead of just chucking a, a stout in them. Yeah, stout in, in, in a, a bourbon barrel is, is, you know, is the easy option. Good or not, yeah, it's it can, still, can still be a great outcome, but it's as you say, I think there's so much scope here, isn't there, for yeah. for creative combinations, almost limitless. Yeah. Especially on a kind of a pale beer kind of side, um, if you look at a, uh, especially the Saison range, if you start putting them into white wine barrels and who knows where you're going to go with that, but it, it can be amazing. Yes, no doubt about that. I think there's a huge market for beer, wine, crossovers as well. I've seen just a few of these packaged on the market, but not many. I think there's there's a ton of stuff you can do there, Ben, as well. But uh, you Yeah, I mean, you they've obviously got access to this kind of these kind of barrels and um and we're we're right on the doorstep for europe where you've got where you've got Gary, where you've got Peter Schoen, you've got your, your sweet wine barrels you've got your white wine barrels that oak they're on oak there's so much variation there that you can test and I, I truly think we could do something quite special but alex is right we ain't got the space we ain't got the time no but it, it's let's call it a promise um something that we're looking to really focus on in the future because i think it really stand us apart from everyone else and i really think the story uh of the family business it links really well together so. and yeah, I think we're always looking at um ways to increase our storage one way or the other and eventually i think we will have that space wherever it is to do that barrel aging and not just one or two barrels here or there um but a, an ongoing project which would be amazing that leads me on to another question actually which is what makes full circle different and i don't think let me just preface that by saying i don't think you need to be different because i think you've hit the ground running in spectacular style building a great space and a brewery brewing great examples of beers that are available elsewhere so so you know that's that's brilliant in itself and you know i wish i'd have done that so good for you but there's obviously sort of a bigger picture than that isn't there to say you know what are you going to do that's really going to differentiate you from from the newcastle scene and from the uk craft beer scene well that, that's something I, I think i said to alex in the first year alex was 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 here and um, pretty much every week i kept saying well, what is our usp hmm. i mean there's two thousand breweries in the uk what what are the usp i mean it's so difficult to find because once someone does something fantastic everyone follows that wave does the same stuff uh, we look at the parent business and, and try and use them as a USP, but realistically, we we are we aren't we aren't doing the renewable things that they're doing. They're, they're doing some insane things. Um, we can't justify those things in a rented site uh, as a five-month-old brewery. So, my USP would be hopefully in the near future is is going down this wine barrel route. I mean, we went to as you said before, uh, we, we went to see. Um, Brew dogs overworks facility. Me and Alex before we set up, and Christ alive, what a what a facility! Um, but we had the opportunity to go there. It was a trade day, and you saw the site, and it was just unbelievable. And and that's the kind of thing I would love to create in that site where we are now, because we can only get an additional maybe eight tanks in there before we we hit capacity. So I would love to turn that site within a year or so uh, into something a little bit more specialist. That's that's where I see us going. Yeah, I think it also needs to be quite an organic thing. Um, I mean, we've only just started getting team members on board, so we need to take a bit of influence from everybody. So not just what we want to do, but and just see where it takes us and see what we enjoy doing and see what people respond well to. And yeah, who knows where we're going to be in a year's time. 
but I think that's a great answer. And I think that that really would differentiate you in, in spectacular fashion. I think, you know, we, we were talking a little bit earlier on about the fact that you don't want to see any benefit at all from the current situation. But one thing I'm sure is, is going to happen is, is, you know, it's going to reduce the pressure on commercial property rents and, and you know, and, and availability is going to become much easier, isn't it? And so that's not something that we should be celebrating, but it does open up opportunities to, to think about, you know, what's next, isn't it, for businesses that are thriving? Yeah, I think uh, one thing we do look to do is an experience, especially within our tap room. That's one thing that we can provide. That's a, a very organic thing is people love the experience of looking at uh, um, the brew house, the process. And that's, again, you, you just come in, you can't miss it. Hmm. I'd like to make a shout out because of part of what I would class as a USP for us. One part of our USP, uh, I'd like to put a shout out to O Street uh, from Glasgow. They're our branding agency who developed the the brand guidelines about style for us um, and it was kind of what we've gone for is boldly simple a lot of the way through this process i was getting a bit stressed that it was too bloody simple but as you can see in the cans we've, we've really gone back to basics and, and if you look at the likes of coca-cola they've kept the same brand image since the 60s yep and having that very if you look at the cores they're very 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 simple but if you look when you when you touch it it's got the tactile varnish on this mm, which is yeah that's that's really important i think that's really nice touch um and then the, the rotation between seasonals and collaborations i don't know if you've noticed that um with horizontal and vertical which right is yep no i i think your brand is really sharp and as you say it stands out on the shelf which is important it needs to be instantly recognizable but still have some sort of creative life to it doesn't it you know you don't want to have sort of dead plain cans that everybody's saying, oh that's boring it's a it's a, a tricky balance to strike it is for sure and i mean we what i was so concerned about the, the brand originally and we said, look, I've got a bottle shop, stick them on the shelves. We got some we got some labels printed, <laughs> put it amongst everything else, and we came pretty much top, apart from Magic Rock, because Magic Rock had just rebranded and they're, they're cancelled. But uh, apart from Magic Rock, yeah, we were, we were second or third every time. So we thought this is this is a winner. We're onto something here, yeah. Nice. Very good then, gentlemen. So thank you so much for your time. I do have the wrap-up question, which is what would be your ultimate happy hour? Whereabouts, who with, and drinking what beers? And I'd like an answer from each of you, please. Can we go, Alex? Yeah, you go first, since you planned one. Mine's... <laughs> yeah, I did, actually. Mine's quite cheesy, actually. My, I, was, um, I, met, I met my wife in Thailand. She's, she's, she's from the Northeast. But I met my wife in Thailand, so I think I would say beach in Thailand. You, you cannot beat uh, Koh Tao, Koh Tao, an island in Thailand. So that's where I would spend my happy hour drinking a light, crisp lager. I think lagers are underrated. If you do, if they're done the right way, lagers are underrated. So I, that's that's how I would spend spend my happy hour. You can't hide behind you can't be hide behind a lager. That's the thing. I think if, if, as long as you do a good Kolsch or a good Pilsner or a good lager, you're uh, yeah in, in the in the hot sun. That's that's where I would be. Nice. You're up, Alex. Okay, my turn. Um, I probably would have said. Again, it would have been with my wife, um, but we've been to a music festival a couple of times, and the first one that they ever did, it was based down there, just in just outside Cheddar, um, uh, just near Bristol. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a music festival that we planned to go to this year for the first time for about three or four years. Love the lineup. Unfortunately, it's all been cancelled. Oh, but uh, um, music festival was called Art Tangent, and mm -hmm. having a happy hour uh, with uh, our beers on the bar, overlooking the main stage. 
headline of time for an hour would have been absolutely perfect. Mm. Um, we did try and get our beers in there, but uh, I think uh, another brewery had them uh, contracted for the next couple of years, but who knows? Uh, might change in a few years' time. Good answer. Yeah, I can just picture that, and that would be a lovely, a lovely spot in the you know, it's the, a beautiful just part as of the world as, as well. the evening sun is going down. Yeah. yeah. No, I tried is, to work yeah. it so that I could go do a tap takeover from Bristol at the same time the day before and, you know, claim a trip down and all that kind of stuff. Well, Bristol is would give Newcastle a run for its money in terms of the, the health of the craft beer. So there's some great oh, it's, breweries it's and some stunning, lovely bars down, down there. there. Yeah. Uh, I, think, I think Ben went down end of last year. Yeah, that's... Um, Start this year. Unfortunately, I missed it because we were so busy. But uh, um, left-handed giant. Um, mm. I've got a friend who's the brewer at the brew pub, and uh, they have a lovely space on the river there. Uh, just it's a it's stunning. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to go down and have a couple of drinks down there sometime. If not this year, then next year. Yeah, there's all there's there's year, plenty of years to come, aren't there? Even if 2020 yeah. is a write-off. Yeah, gents. So grateful to you for your time this evening. Extremely impressed with what you've achieved in, in nine months. I'm absolutely certain that you're going to thrive. And I'm looking forward to, to, to watching every step of the way. Uh, uh, please so come much. for a drink sometime. I will. Thank you, gentlemen. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. Coming up in the next few weeks, we have interviews with some of the most exciting names in UK craft brewing, including S43, Duration and Pipeline. If you enjoyed today's episode, I hope you decide to subscribe to the podcast so you receive each episode automatically every Tuesday morning. If you enjoy the podcast, please tell your friends and leave us a review in your podcast app. It really helps others to discover the show. Uh-huh.